0: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents...
1: Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. We turn this time to a classic melodrama. An incredible chiller. I say incredible... ...because it was written by a 19th century lady who seldom left her house. I speak, of course, of Charlotte Bronte, most famous of the three literary sisters... ...whose strange brother, Patrick Branwell, was the prototype for some of the men in their novels. The day of the governess is past, but she was quite a fixture in the days when opulent mansions housed the wealthy... ...with a housekeeper and staff of servants who sometimes shared dark secrets... What's the matter with you this morning, Miss Jane? You look peaked.
2: Another one of those terrible nightmares, Mrs. Fairfax. Such things are omens. My dead husband has been rising from his grave to tell me no good will come to this house. This house is the happiest home I have ever known. Then why do you dream of death and destruction? (laughs) It must have been the storm. The moors were wild with thunder and lightning. I'm begging you, Miss Jane. Get away from here. Leave Mr. Rochester and Thornfield Hall alone before it's too late.
1: Our mystery drama Jane Eyre has been adapted from the Charlotte Bronte classic especially for the Mystery Theater by Elizabeth Pennell and stars Patricia Elliott and Arnold Moss. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Now to meet our Victorian heroine. Jane Eyre has been hired as a teacher with one pupil in a mansion which dominates a remote English countryside. A setting much like that where the Bronte sisters lived and dreamed. Adventure. As we begin, Jane has volunteered to post a letter for the housekeeper. The nearest village is two miles away, but she welcomes the opportunity to walk by herself across the moor. It is a January afternoon, and the ground is hard, the air still, and the road lonely. At the top of the hill, Jane pauses to enjoy the view, and suddenly, she is not alone.
2: Dog, and then a man on horseback, galloping furiously. I had not noticed the icy patch on the road, nor had the rider, until too late. With a slithering crash, horse and rider went down.
0: Oh, what deuce?
2: Are you injured, sir? I,
0: I, I, I'm not sure.
2: Let me help you. I
0: don't stand on one side. But
2: you're hurt. I'll, I'll go for help.
0: No, 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 no. I, I. I, I don't seem to have any broken bones, only this confounded ankle. You
2: can't stay here on this lonely road if you're unable to mount your horse.
0: Where do you come from? Uh, just below. That house with the battlements? Yes, sir. Well, whose house is it? Mr. Rochester's. Do you know Mr. Rochester?
2: I have never seen him.
0: Well, who the devil are you?
2: I am the governess.
0: I see. Well, if you're not afraid, grab hold of my horse's bridle. Lead him over here to me.
2: I... I know little of
0: horses. Now come here. Let me lean on you. That... that will do. Now hand me my whip. Thank you. Come along, pilots.
2: He rode off, and I continued down the road to the village by myself, wondering about this gruff stranger... For me, it had been quite an adventure, so I took my time getting back to the house. When I reached it, the housekeeper was oh, in the entrance way. Where... Oh, oh, pilot, hush up, Mrs. Fairfax. That dog. Yes, he came with his master. With whom? Mr. Rochester. He arrived shortly after you went to post the letter. That couldn't have been. Mr. Rochester has had an accident. His horse fell. And his ankle is sprained. Did he ask about me? Miss Eyre, I have not yet had a chance to tell him about you. The surgeon has been sent for. <laughs> Next day, I was summoned by Mrs. Fairfax to be presented to the master of the house. He was, unmistakably, the same dour personage I had already encountered.
0: Sit down, Miss i I've examined Adele and find you've taken great pains with her.
2: She is a pleasant child.
0: I understand you've lived in my house for the past three months. And you came from... From uh...
2: Lowood School.
0: Ah, oh, yes, yes. A charitable institution and a grim one, from all I've heard... How long were you there? Eight years. You must have a sturdy constitution.
2: I welcome the opportunity to get away. No
0: doubt. Who are your parents?
2: I have none.
0: Nor ever had, I suppose.
2: I don't remember them. I was left as an orphan with an aunt who hated me. The Lowwood School was a joy compared to her house.
0: Any other relatives?
2: I've heard of an uncle on my father's side, but I doubt if he knows I exist. He lives in Madeira.
0: Who recommended that you come here?
2: I advertised, and Mrs. Fairfax answered my advertisement.
0: You have no friends, I presume?
2: None but the pupils and teachers of Lowood. And now, those of you at Thornfield.
0: Hmm. You've lived the life of a nun. But I must say it has not broken your spirit. How old are you? Eighteen. Old enough for some accomplishments. I uh, saw some sketches in the schoolroom. Are there others...
2: I have a portfolio.
0: Send it to my room. And now I'm tired. You may go.
2: It's true that I do not frighten easily, and I was content as the days went by to be left with my pupil or to wander alone through that enormous house. One day, I climbed through a trapdoor onto the roof. Oh, a fine place for sketching. As I started down the third floor staircase, this dreadful sound sent me running. Mrs. Faircut! Mrs. Faircut! Yes, 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 my dear. Did. I, I, I didn't know there was anyone upstairs. Uh, why, there's not. Uh, that wing of the house is quite empty. But I heard someone laughing. Oh, such a terrible laugh. Oh, that. It, it, it must be Grace Poole. Grace? Who? One of the servants. Uh, She acts quite unbalanced at times. But where have you been? Mr. Rochester wants to see you. I found him seated by the fire. And as the light played over his stern features, his dark eyes had a softness out of keeping with his manner. He caught me off guard.
0: You examine me, Miss Hare. Do you think me handsome? No, sir. What fault do you find with me?
2: Mr. Rogers? I shouldn't have answered that Don't way. Criticize
0: me. Go ahead. Does my forehead not please you? Do you think I'm a fool?
2: Far from it.
0: Well, you look puzzled. And a puzzled air keeps those searching eyes from studying my face. I'm feeling gregarious and communicative tonight. Talk to me.
2: I have nothing to say.
0: Well, then I'll make you say something. From your point of view, I'm sure I'd be judged a sinner.
2: I do not make judgment. Oh,
0: you would, you would, if you knew how I've wasted all my years.
2: Why do you regret the past when there's a future to look forward to?
0: I look forward to nothing but misery.
2: But you have a dell and...
0: Indeed. I rue the day I became encumbered with that brat.
2: Well, then why did you make her your ward?
0: I'm a victim of circumstance. Children annoy me. But I told you I feel talkative. Wouldn't you like to know something about Adele?
2: If you wish to tell me. A child has no more memory of her parents than I do of mine.
0: A mother was a dancer. I found her in Paris, a glorious creature with whom I fell mad in love. She played me for a fool from the beginning, taking my money, giving a heart to a handsome devil of an army officer by whom she had a child, and claim the child was mine. But well, does that shock you, Miss Eyre?
2: No. But if the child was not yours, why do you feel responsible?
0: Because the infant was abandoned.
2: Which proves that you are a man of compassion.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. But I have no feeling for that girl, The less I see of her the better. And if you don't like my attitude... You're not compelled to stay here.
2: Oh, now you have shocked me. Adele is a lonely little orphan, forsaken by her mother and disowned by you. Already she leans on me as a friend. And I will do my best to comfort her. I stayed out of his way after that, hoping he would soon be leaving. Then one night, I was awakened. That tale was bound again by a moan which came from just outside my door. With shaking hands, I put on my robe, opened the bedroom door, and... Who's there? Who is there? In the far distance, someone was climbing the stairs. And very faintly, a door closed. At my feet, on the matting of the floor, a candle burned in a low candlestick. I picked it up and walked along the corridor, drawn by the strong smell of smoke. A door, usually closed tight, was ajar. Mr. Rochester's bedroom, and the smoke was coming from there, billowing out and getting (coughs) thicker. Mr. Rochester! Mr. Rochester! Wake up! (coughs) The draperies at the head of his bed were on fire. I grabbed a pitcher from the washstand and...
0: What
2: the devil? A fire, sir. Get up quickly. In the
0: name of all the elves in Christendom, is that Jane Eyre? What have you done with me?
2: Your bed was on fire. But what
0: brought you to my bedroom? There was
2: someone in the hallway. Someone who cried out and then went upstairs.
0: I see. You said you saw no one but heard a cry.
2: Yes, I I thought it must be that race pool.
0: Exactly so. The unfortunate woman... Has nightmares.
2: I was relieved to learn next day that Mr. Rochester had taken off on one of his journeys. But when he returned, I saw quite a different side of his complex personality. Oh, Miss Jane, it's nice to have music and laughter in the house. I thought I heard singing last night. There are ladies staying here. Mr. Rochester has brought several guests. There's Mr. Mason, Mrs. Eshton, and her daughters, and I wish you could catch a glimpse of Lady Blanche Ingram. What is she like? Oh, a great beauty. What a fine couple they make. I'm hoping that what I've heard may be true. And what is that? That they will be married. Oh, Lady Blanche is years younger than Mr. Rochester, but so gay and charming. I tell you, life will be very different at Thornfield Hall. Has come over me. As I lay in bed, my heart is filled with a great longing. Severely, I say to myself Tomorrow, Jane Eyre, look in the mirror and draw your own picture faithfully, without softening one defect. Omit no harsh line and write under it portrait of a governess, disconnected, poor, and plain. In due course, I was introduced to the ladies who ignored me and Adele so completely that it was easy to stay out of their way. Then one night, as I sat alone in my room, there was such a commotion
0: that I opened the door.
2: Mister Mason needs help,
0: Francesa. Francesa, for heaven's sake, come back to your rooms, all of you, except for you, Jane Eyre. What's happened? I need you. Come this way. Take my hand. It's dark going up the stairs.
2: Mr. Rogers... I
0: trust you don't turn sick at the sight of blood.
2: I... I hope not, although I...
0: I've never been tested. Steady now. Through this
2: doorway. Could this be the disturbing grace pool at last? But I caught only the sight of a receding form. A woman in a gray sweater and long black dress. Our attention was focused on the bed, where the guest, Mr. Mason lay with blood streaming from a gash on his head.
0: Quickly, Jane, hold that basin while I sponge his wounds. She's a fiend. A fiend incarnate. I won't live through the night. Nonsense, man. Nonsense. You've nothing but scratches. She stabbed me. Barely missed my jugular van. I'm bleeding to death.
3: Courage,
0: Richard. You'll survive.
3: But my arm. She sank her teeth into it.
0: We'll get the doctor as soon as we can. Just be calm.
3: Calm? She sucked my blood and said she would drain my heart.
2: Surely after this murderous attack, Grace Poole would be removed from the household. But weeks later, I saw the retreating form of the woman in gray and black starting up the attic stairs, only while she was still on the stairway, from overhead, I heard...
1: for a chilling turn of events, the upper floors of Thornfield Hall appear to be occupied by demons, not the least of which is the murderous Grace Poole. Why would such a servant be left to roam the corridors? And what brings on a laugh which now seems to be disembodied? I assure you that more harrowing developments lie ahead. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. Fortunate Mr. Mason apparently made a quick recovery. In any event, the guests all departed as suddenly as they had come. And so did Mr. Rochester. I don't think I'd like to spend a night at Thornfield Hall, much less be confined there without knowing what was going on. But Jane Eyre was used to being rebuffed when she asked questions. And in spite of her strange environment, she had never enjoyed such a life of ease. Her pupil, though not especially bright, was eager to learn. Jane spent the rest of the time with her sketch pad and books in the library.
2: Mr. Rochester has come home, Miss Jane. Oh, and it's all working out just the way I hoped it would. He is planning to marry. Will they be living here? Well, he can answer that himself. He's asked to see you out in the garden.
0: Thornfield is a pleasant place in summer, isn't it, Jane? Oh, yes, sir. You've made yourself quite at home here. I assume you're somewhat attached to this house. Indeed, I am. And although I can't understand why you seem to have acquired a certain regard for that foolish child, Adele, and even for simple dame, Fairfax.
2: In different ways, I have affection for them both.
0: And uh, you would be sorry to part with them? Yes. Pity. But that's the way it is. The time always comes when one must move on.
2: But... Sir, I'm very happy here.
0: Yeah, well, that's the extraordinary thing. It'll make parting more difficult.
2: You mean I must leave Thornfield?
0: I'm sorry, but you're dismissed as of tonight.
2: Is it because you are going to be married?
0: Exactly so. Soon, sir? Very soon. But
2: what about Adele?
0: I'll send her away to school and uh, you must get a new situation.
2: I will advertise immediately. But in the meantime, may I stay on until I have somewhere else to go?
0: I hope to be a bridegroom in about a month. But I'll find employment for you. In fact, my would-be mother-in-law has already heard of a place where they need a governess. In Ireland.
2: That's a long way off, sir. From what? From England and from Thornfield and... Well? From you, sir
0: very interesting that you should say that, Jane, because when we're alone as we are now and I'm close to you, I have a queer feeling that I would miss you very much if you should go away.
2: You will forget me very quickly.
0: You spoke to me once of the future. What do you look forward to?
2: Oh, I suppose in my hopeless dreams... I fancy myself as a mistress of my own school for girls.
0: Oh, Jane, Jane. Behind that prim facade, you're fire and ice. You, you mustn't... Please,
2: don't talk that way, sir. I, I, I wish you happiness in the course you have taken for your future. What course? Why, with the beautiful Miss Ingram, your bride.
0: I have no bride.
2: But you will have.
0: Oh, yes, yes, I will, I will, and... He is standing now right beside me.
2: <gasps> Mr. Rochester, please, let me go.
0: I am offering you my hand, my heart, and a share of all my possessions.
2: You are making a fool of me. And my only answer is to laugh in your face.
0: I ask you to pass through life at my side to be my second self and best companion.
2: You have already made your choice, and I can take no more cruelty.
0: Jane, I have no feeling for the beautiful Blanche no more than she has for me. Our affair is over. I came back to Thornfield to entreat you to accept me as a husband.
2: If your feelings for me are real, I will be grateful and devoted. Grateful?
0: Say it quickly say you'll marry me.
2: Mr. Rochester, if you are
0: sincere... Edward, Edward, my name is Edward. If you need an oath, I swear that I love you.
2: Then, sir, I will marry you.
0: That's not the way to accept my offer.
2: Dear, dear Edward. Everything had changed. I was no longer plain Jane Eyre. Of course, I had known from the first moment... that Edward Rochester was a man above all others. But in my wildest dreams... I had never dared hope... I could be the object of that affectionate heart... he tried so hard to keep buried. I still felt insignificant... And blushed when he offered to buy me a trousseau and talked about
0: jewels. And a diamond necklace for my lady? Oh, no,
2: sir, please, I can't accept But you're it. soon to
0: be Jane Rochester, and that calls for finery for my beauty. Oh,
2: please, Mr. Rochester.
0: Who, who?
2: <laughs> Edward. Mm-hmm. Don't call me things I am not. I am your plain Quakerish governess.
0: You have beauty after my own heart, delicacy. Ethereal,
2: oh, Puny and insignificant, you mean. You are dreaming or else... Oh, for pity's sake, don't sneer at me.
0: I will dress my Jane in satin and lace. And for her wedding, her head shall be covered with a priceless veil.
2: I was in a world of utter bliss until... What you and Mr. Rochester are about to do is wrong. We love one another. He is old enough to be your father. He's nothing like a father. And he looks so young. You know nothing of men. And no good can come from a union with a gentleman of his station and a lonely governess. I thought, Mrs. Fairfax, that you and I were friends, Miss Jane. You must leave Thornfield Hall before it's too late. (laughs) Edward was more loving than ever. And I could put up with anything until...
0: Dearest Jane, last night you were so radiant. Now, what's happened on your wedding day to make you look so pale?
2: Last night, the most terrible nightmare of them all.
0: My dearest Jane, you're nervous, that's natural. But soon your mind will be at ease.
2: Only this time it was more than a nightmare. Something happened.
0: Well, then tell me about it, although... That little head of yours is apt to conjure up all sorts of things. But
2: this was real. I knew that my door had opened and a woman was standing in my bedroom. She held a candle and examined my wedding dress.
0: Well, it must have been that stupid Mrs. Fairfax.
2: No, no, not Mrs. Fairfax. A large woman with thick hair hanging down her back in a white gown <gasps> or a sheet that looked like a shroud...
0: Did you see her face?
2: Not at first. Then she moved stealthily toward me. And the candlelight caught her features. Oh, hideous, savage, like a vampire. And as she leaned over me, I would have screamed in terror, except no sound would come. She blew out the flame and glided from the room.
0: A most unsettling dream. But after tonight, Jane, you'll have no more, I assure you. But
2: that's not all, sir. Well,
0: surely you didn't attempt to go after her. I
2: I was so frightened, I believe I fainted. But when I woke, it was light. And oh, Mr. Rochester, my beautiful veil. It had been torn to shreds.
0: My poor, poor Jane. You
2: see, sir, it wasn't a dream. I,
0: I, I suspect the vindictive Grace Poole. Mrs. Fairfax would say it is an omen. You and I, Jane, know how to dispense with omens. And soon we will be far away from here. I'll take you to Spain. We'll tour the world. Come, my dear. This is the happiest day of our lives. If either of you know any impediment why ye may not lawfully be joined together in matrimony... You do now? Confess it. Stop Stop this mockery of a wedding. Mason, how dare you? I might say the same to you, sir. Go on with the ceremony. It cannot take place. Pay no attention to this intruder. Go on, I say. Let Mr. Mason speak. This marriage
3: is unlawful. It must not be consummated.
2: Why, Mr. Mason?
3: Because Mr. Rochester is already married. He has a wife.
2: Miss Jane, I warned you. I was trying
0: to keep you from... You should have told the girl. Leave my innocent Jane out of this. How can I? Mason, I should knock your block off. You won't touch me and you know it.
3: I'm convinced the girl knows nothing. And I've already been in touch with her uncle.
2: What do you know of my uncle?
3: I made inquiries through my solicitor. And I've seen your uncle in Madeira.
2: You've seen him? But, but the, then why hasn't he written to me?
3: He's very ill. But thank heaven he sent me back here in time to stop the wedding.
2: Mr. Mason, at the chapel, you
3: accused Mr. Rochester of being... He was prepared to become a bigamist.
2: He's right, Miss Jane. Oh, please, please. I don't understand.
3: I thought she might be dead. But I found out last April that she was alive, all right. Who, Mr. Mason? My sister, Bertha. Mr. Rochester's wife.
2: Uh, no. No, this can't be.
0: It's true, Jane. If you can call such perversity the truth. But, Mr. Rogers, you
2: you cannot be married.
0: Bertha Mason is mad and she came of a mad family. There may be
3: something in what you say. Yet the law decrees that an incompetent wife must be protected. The
0: law? For 15 years I've done my duty. And for 12 years... She's been no wife to me. Yet the bonds of marriage are sacred. I would move heaven and earth to keep my treasured Jane from learning how low one can sink in deprivation. But now... Now her eyes must be opened.
2: Mr. Rochester... Lead the
0: way, Mrs. Fairfax. Miss Jane must see for herself what has for so long been hidden on the third floor of Thornfield Hall.
2: Grace Poole, unlock the door.
0: Go in first, Mason. Sometimes she responds to you. What if she responds the way she did last time? Go on, you coward.
2: She's with her nurse. Watch her, Grace. She's not to be trusted. Oh, it is. That's the woman who came to my room last night. Oh, can she be a human creature? Careful, miss. She sees you. Wait until Mrs. Poole has a corner. She is so cunning.
0: We'd better leave.
3: I know how dangerous she can be.
0: And that, Jane Eyre, is what they call
1: my wife. Now we know the secret of that ghostly third floor of Thornfield Hall. Picture, if you will, the scene Jane Eyre was forced to witness. The door was unlocked by the stolid Grace Poole, a somber matron, gray and black. But behind her... Groveling on all fours, a wild creature with long hair hanging over her face, like some fearful beast of the jungle. We will mercifully close the door before continuing presently with Act Three. After the devastating events on what was to have been her wedding day, Jane Eyre said not a word, but went directly to her room. Mr. Mason made a sudden departure, and Mrs. Fairfax went about her duties as though nothing had happened. No one came to comfort the heartbroken Jane. And Rochester? He sat on a chair outside Jane's door while the hours passed in deathly silence. (gasps) I've been waiting here since yesterday.
0: And what? May I ask, what are you waiting for? For your tears. Grief and anger cannot be bottled up without destroying soul.
2: I am way beyond tears.
0: And so am I, my dear. Remorse is the poison of life. Berate me. Tell me what you think of me now.
2: I feel nothing but sorrow for you
0: and... and that creature up there. But you have not heard my story. Nothing has been real in my life until I met you. And now you would make me the victim. No, no, never, Jane, never. This time there was to be a future for both of us.
2: How can you say that
0: when? You... When I was in my twenties, my father sent me to Jamaica. His business was not going well, and he and my brother made a deal with importers named Mason.
2: A deal for you to marry.
0: Well, I didn't know that that was part of the contract. No one told me that 30,000 pounds was paid for their daughter to marry an Englishman. But you saw her. You must... All I saw was an untamed island girl who charmed me with her caresses. How could you? She was a handsome woman then, Jane. How was I to know that if it were not for me, she would be sent to the asylum where her mother was or locked up in prison for some of these things that she had done. But you lived with her. Yes, I spent four years of hell trying to get medical help. But our case was hopeless. And when my brother and father died, I was left with Thornfield Hall and no one outside this house except the doctor and Richard Mason knew of her existence.
2: And that's why you're seldom here.
0: I cannot stand the solitude. Nothing has had any meaning, nothing, until you came, Jane. And now
2: I must leave you?
0: No, 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 you can't. I'll take you anywhere you want to go, do anything you say.
2: Then let me go in peace. I left Thornfield Hall in the dark of night. I can scarce remember how I stumbled over the moor until I reached the village. It was almost dawn when I found a sleepy man with a carriage. I showed him what money I had and asked him to take me as far as it would go. He put me off at Whitcrest. You want a room at this hour of the morning? No. I'm looking for employment. No one needed here. Do you know any place in the neighborhood where a servant is needed? I can't say, but I doubt it. What do most people do in this place? Uh, some are farm laborers. Some work at the needle factory and the foundry. Do they employ women? Uh, nay, it's men's work. But well, then what do the women do? Uh, we're poor folk, Mum, And poor folk get along as best they can. Oh, where can I get some food? Well, oh, yeah. bed and board right on the premises if you can pay the price. But I can't. Well, then it's off with you. But where can I go? There's the Reverend Rivers out at Moorhouse. How do I get there? It's take the road going that way, but it's a long walk. The walk was endless, and a storm had come up. I pulled my thin coat around me. It was soaked to the skin. At last, a prison like structure rose through the mist. And before I could reach the knocker, I collapsed on the doorstep.
0: Well, young lady, you finally come around. This is House? Yes, yes, and I'm St. Jim Rivers. And now you must tell me your name and how
1: I can get in touch with your family.
2: My name is Jane Eyre, but I have no family.
1: No relatives at all?
2: An uncle... If you will give me pen and paper, I will write to him.
1: Where where
0: does he live?
2: In Madeira.
0: Oh, that's far away. Give me the name of someone nearby who can come and fetch you.
2: There's no one. Please, Mr. Rivers, you must help me. Although my heart was heavy good fortune came my way.
0: Miss Eyre, you've been of such help at the mission. I don't know how we could have got along without
1: you these past
0: months.
2: And I'm happy to tell you, sir, that I now have a way to repay your kindness.
1: it's been repaid many times over.
2: No, I've heard from my uncle's executor. I'm soon to inherit what seems to be a vast sum of money.
0: I'm happy for you, although I hope this does not mean that
1: You'll be leaving us.
2: I want to share my inheritance with the mission. And then... What I've always wanted. My own girl's school. For the first time in my life... I could make a choice. Free to do what I wanted. But more than ever... I was troubled by my dreams. This time of a stern face with tender eyes... A rough-yet-gentleman who haunted my days and nights. His voice became more insistent. I heard it everywhere. Jane, Jane. Edward Rochester needed me. And no matter what the consequences, I must return to Thornfield Hall.
3: May I help you? Do you know Thornfield Hall? Oh, yes, I'm... I lived there. Did you? Why was the late Mr. Rochester's butler? The late? Is he dead? Oh, I mean the present gentleman's, Mr. Edward's father. Is
2: Mr. Edward Rochester staying now at Thornfield Hall? Oh, no, ma'am. How could he be? The place is a total ruin. Uh, Well, where is he then? I, I must
3: see him. Well, you're a stranger here. You don't know what's happened. Tell me, please. Well, you see, when old Mr. Rochester died, I was sent to work at Ferndine. And I was only called back to the hall after some curious events had taken place. Go on. Well, there was this little snip of a governess who started the whole thing. What
2: are you talking about?
3: She deserted Mr. Rochester, you see, when he needed her most poor, lonely man that he was. When Mr. Rochester ward was sent off to school and Mrs. Fairfax went to live with her sister, I was called back to look after Mr. Rochester. Please, man, where is Mr. Rochester? I like to tell things the way they should be told, straight through from beginning to end. Except for those two on the third floor there, or, well, there was just me and... Mr. Rochester in that big house. And it was the middle of the night.
0: I uh, won't need anything more, John. Why don't you go to bed?
3: Well, I should think you do the same, sir. Uh, but if you're going to stay here, let me build up the fire. No, no,
0: no. I'd rather stare into the coals. I'll go to bed when I feel that sleep will come.
3: Oh, I could fix your hot drink.
0: No, nothing, thank you.
3: Oh, good night then, sir.
0: What's the matter with you? Are you catching cold?
3: No. It's Mr. Rochester. There's smoke pouring down from the upper store.
0: We'll close the door. We'll break the window and take the outside stairway to the second floor.
3: The the left wing of the house is on fire. Where is Grace Poole? Fast asleep, I imagine. Sometimes she takes a drop too much.
0: That's what I'm afraid of. And when Bertha gets loose, anything can happen.
3: Look, sir. Up there, oh, Mrs. Rochester. Oh, good god. Bertha! Bertha! Oh, she'll be consumed by the flames. her. Uh, oh, you can't, sir. Pitiful as it is, there's nothing you can do. I must try. Bertha! Uh, sir, let her go! Rochester, look
2: out, sir! He he tried to reach her? Oh, He
3: tried, but it was no use. She was dead. As dead as the stones on the courtyard where a broken body lay. But it was Mr. Rochester I worried about. He was injured? Caught under a falling beam. Oh, you assured me he is alive. Oh, yes, yes. He is alive, but many think he'd best be dead. But where is he? Is Mr. Rochester in England? Aye, he's in England. He's not able to go much of anywhere now.
2: He was hurt that badly in the fire.
3: Oh, Mr. Rochester is completely
2: blind. I will pay you well to take me to this place where Mr. Rochester is
3: staying. Fernene, oh, I don't mind driving there. My sister works for Mr. Rochester, but, oh, I doubt that he'll let anyone in the
2: house. You must persuade your sister to let me see him. Ask your sister to give me the
3: tray. I will take it to Mr. Rochester. Oh, I hope we're not doing wrong by letting you into his house. Well, if he orders you out, I'll drive you back to the inn.
0: Pilot, be quiet. What makes you so excited? Mary, is that you? Mary
2: is in the kitchen. Who is that? Pilot
0: knows me. But don't take advantage of these sightless eyes. That voice... No, it no, no, can't be. Speak again.
2: You called me, and I have found you. Give me your hand.
0: Oh, there's no mistake. Jane, Jane Eyre.
2: It is, sir.
0: Am I hideous, Jane? (laughs)
2: Yes, Mr. Rochester. But then you always were, you know.
0: That's my spirited girl. Great heaven, Jane, how I've missed you. I gave up searching. Where have you been?
2: It's a long story, sir.
0: So you have found your independence. Would that I had found mine.
2: It is not what I expected.
0: Your own school or off to India with your missionary. Which will you do?
2: Why, neither, sir. If you will let me stay and nurse you.
0: Oh, James. A nurse could never bind my wounds. What I need, I can no longer ask of my one true love. Try me. Not only these sightless eyes, but also this stump of a hand. The fire was her revenge, Jane. No more talking about the past. In spite of my infirmities, I don't need a nurse. I want a wife.
2: Ask me. One more time, Mr.
0: Rochester? Uh, Edward, Jane, Edward. Our roles have changed, and you are now my master. We are two
2: sides of the same coin, Mr. Rochester, and no one can split it in two. Mm-hmm.
1: it seems unreasonable that everything worked out so well for such a pair, But that's the way Miss Bronte wrote the story. Along with a number of coincidences, we have not had the time to report. At the very end, Charlotte Bronte tells us that Rochester regained the sight of one eye, and that he and Jane lived happily ever after. I'll be back shortly. Gothic novel was very popular in the 19th century, and it's back in style today. Women writers are still leading the field, just as they did in the Bronte's day. There seems to be renewed interest in ghostly mansions, orphan girls, and bold men, both dashing heroes and those with evil intent. I hope you agree that such fare makes good listening. Our cast included Patricia Elliott, Arnold Moss, Lloyd Batista,